Hello, and welcome to Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro, a podcast all about the Bible, theology, and all things related to the Christian faith. I'm the Ryan half of Ryan and Brian, and this is episode number 36. This week, we are continuing our conversation about truth. We talk a bit about the book, The God Who Is There by Francis Schaeffer, and the conclusions that he comes to, and how without absolute truth in God, it is impossible to live consistently in the world. It's a great book that really makes you think, so Brian and I are chatting about it in this episode. Before we get started, if you're enjoying the podcast, would you mind leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or a review on Facebook? If that's not your thing, would you mind sharing the post about this episode or another episode you've enjoyed on Facebook, or just tell your friends? That works. We'd love to expand our audience. All right, let's jump into this episode looking at The God Who Was There by Francis Schaeffer. Hey, Brian, welcome back to the Bistro. Hey, Brian. I'm the Brian half of Ryan Ryan's Bistro. Yes, I will be strong. And I'm the Ryan half. I was going to say better, but then I felt like the, I don't want to start this podcast the, episode. You are the that. better half. You are the better. Well, half. I'm the dumb half, not the dumb half. You're going to. You're actually leading most of the conversation today, right? Well, that's news to me. Um, <laughs> just because I read something doesn't mean I'm leading the conversation. Remember, we talked about in the last episode. You're like. The master and I'm the student and you help me interpret. I didn't things. say that. It was something. It was that. something. Okay. Something vaguely like that. So anyway, um, yeah, I'm glad we're back here. You know, yeah. mixing it up and we're continuing a little bit of our conversation on truth. Last right. Well, we talked about testimony yeah. and how that's a that's an adequate means to come to knowledge. I've talked about the Gospel of John. I think is concerned with the issue of truth. Mm-hmm. This is where Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life," and that's where. Um, you know, Pilate asked that question, what is truth? And we, we find that word uh, used several times in the Gospel of John, the idea of truth. Yeah. And true. Yes. And that the nature of truth can be, um, it's kind of, and I, I said it last, uh, last week, maybe squishy a little bit, like we don't know what truth is or the, the, the definition of truth has maybe changed over time. In our culture, you're saying. You yeah, know, yeah, in our, in, our, in our culture. Yeah. Yeah, so... We've talked about Francis Schaeffer a couple different times yeah. uh, on the podcast, and in college, I read what you ascribe as his worst <laughs> book ever written. Well, I don't know that I ever said his... He's got some pretty bad books. I don't know that this was his worst, but I always said the books that I that were very important to me, there, there are three of his we call the trilogy, uh-huh. uh, God Who Is There, Escape From Reason, and He Is There and He Is Not Silent. And when I read those books when I was in doing my master's work, those were very important for me in helping me understand the kind of stuff we're talking about. What's the relationship between belief and knowledge and truth? And so, anyway, that that was all I was saying. I wasn't saying that. <laughs> well, that, the book I uh, read in college. How shall we then? How shall now thou how shall then, we live? Therefore, <laughs> how then shall we live? Yeah, something along those lines. Anyway, so I read that book, and you're like, we were having a uh, around a fire, and you're like, oh, you know, these the trilogy's better. You need to go read the trilogy, and so I picked up the trilogy. I mean, for yeah, for me, it was pretty foundational. Go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> this you're playing my part now, interrupting me <laughs> on a flow. I'm just kidding. So anyway, I picked up the book, uh, and I read. I have read the first part of the trilogy, The God Who Was There, and uh, I thought it was really interesting, kind of talking about... um, Now, 
he wrote this book, what, the 70s, 60s? 70s, yeah, yeah 70s. Mid, mid to late 70s. Yeah, yeah. and uh, talks a little bit about some of the shift that was going on there. So it's a little dated in that regard, some of the examples and um, that he uses, but I thought it had some really important topics that I thought maybe we should talk about a little bit about the nature of truth yeah. and some of the shift that has happened in culture around truth. Yeah. I think I think the strength of Schaefer's argument isn't in even the details of the argument though. And and what you're talking about is he brings in lots of examples from art and culture and those kind of things that might now be kind of in the past, but I think his his real strength is seeing these these large cultural trends and these large cultural shifts. And honestly, you say it's dated, but it's interesting. I went back and reread uh in preparation for this, uh reread uh, The God Who's There and it's amazing how relevant it seems to me today, how how much it it seems to some of the things that we're seeing in our culture today, uh, almost I won't, I don't use the word prophetic. We use that word, you know, we toss it around quite a bit. But I think he was pointing to some things that we're now seeing to come to fruition in some in some pretty significant ways. Yeah, and, and dealing with the idea of presuppositions, like how we, what sure. we presuppose, what we assume about the world, and then how that is lived out in the world that that, that we're interacting with. Right. Yeah, that was right. one of the main things. So, uh, you know, talking about one of those things, and I, I thought one of the things that was really interesting for me in thinking about where we are today, talking about prophetic or not, not saying the word prophetic, but you know that it, it has <laughs> right. some some meaning for us today, is just this shift between. In American culture, we went from this place where everybody kind of assumed this idea of yeah. one thing is true. If one thing is true, then the opposite of it is not yeah. true. And he called it, called it thesis and antithesis. Yeah, well, pretty. It, yeah, the, the the law of non contradiction is what you start with. It's it's pretty basic. And if you take a logic class or critical thinking class, which apparently not many people do these days, <laughs> the uh, one of the one of the we we talk, say going all the way back to Aristotle, uh, you know this this idea of logic. Uh, if you have p a proposition, then non p is is not. If p is true, then not non p is not true. So that's kind of a very basic. You know, one of the basic we call it laws of logic. Um, but yeah, the the thesis and antithesis. Um, comes in from Hegel, and, and he kind of was looking historically to see kind of the way that things moved. And he said, you know, a lot of times you have this idea of a thesis, and then what happens in response to it is an antithesis, and then there there becomes a synthesis between the two, and then that becomes the new thesis. And so what you have is almost a... I'm trying to think how I would say this. I, I, I want to use the word evolutionary, but understanding I'm using that in a limited sense, uh, a, a kind of... Uh, a developing nature of truth. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think at one point Schaefer says something in effect, you know, truth in the past would have been seen as a straight line. You know, this is this is how it is, and it moves instead into this kind of you know we're we're wavering between different poles, and we're uh, truth instead of becoming a straight line becomes um, fragmented and fractured and and moves in different directions. Uh, and yeah. so that's that's go ahead. Yeah, and and that's uh, he's taking on that piece of there of like, once we move away from this idea that there is something that is true, that exists outside of us, that is true. Right. Um, it, you know, and it's the, it becomes internal. Like if there is, if there is only antithesis and if we take Hegel's 
uh, thesis, antithesis, and synthesis, like truth is always evolving. Mm-hmm. It's never, it's yeah. not a static thing. Um, and yeah. so he's kind of taking on that that thought of that without God, without there being, that God is truth and he is a static in there. And that without that, we don't have anything to build a, a knowledge off of. It all comes from internalized yeah, ourselves. Yeah, I, I kind of one way we can talk about this is 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 true something that comes from above or is it something that that grows up from below is one way that you'll see people talk about this sometimes. And, and let me leave, we may even start with this idea of what <laughs> not not to quote Pilate, but what when we use the word truth, what do we mean? What is truth? Um, because I, you know, we we use that. I'm telling you the truth. For example, we use it in vernacular. You know, we 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 will use it to assert certain things. But when we begin to think now about what we mean by truth, um, I think we maybe we we need to step back and define uh, our understanding. There are different what we say now philosophically theories of truth. Uh, I think kind of the how do I say this? The the one that most people would kind of. I don't know if I know to say most people these days, but the classic kind of idea of truth is what was called the correspondence theory of truth. That is, truth corresponds to reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a there's a direct correspondence there. Uh, and so, if I say the sky is blue, uh, then then that is true because it corresponds with with reality. Um, there are a couple of turns that took place, though, in, in philosophy. One we sometimes call the linguistic turn, which is one that I'm pretty interested in and have spent time studying. But you know, this this kind of asks the question: for different cultures, the idea, the concept of blue becomes different. Mm-hmm. You know, so so for example, there might be a broader range. You know, and we can measure this scientifically in terms of the wavelength of the light. There's a broader range of a color that some culture might call the equivalent to blue, whereas we might use words like gray and green and these kind of things. And so this becomes kind of the idea of semantic. Uh, you know, how does how does the way we talk about these things influence truth? Um, there's another theory of truth that's, that's called uh, coherence theory of truth and saying that truth is true as as much as it is coherent with a, a different set of pro- presuppositions uh, and, and or propositions, I guess I should say instead of presuppositions. And so, so this is where we start to get into these ideas about truth that we, we can begin to say uh, there's a certain amount of relativism to it, that, 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 Things are true dependent upon uh, the way we understand certain things or the way that they correspond to, to different things. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I know that's kind, of a, <laughs> that's kind of a deep thing, but right. here's what happens is Schaefer ends up starting to use the, the phrase um, true truth to talk, you know, to what, what we used to mean by truth, he now calls true truth, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, truth has this kind of other, other thing to it. I'm thinking about... I don't know how many of our listeners will be familiar with this, but I'm thinking about a few years back, uh, the uh, and I can't remember his name, uh, Colbert uh, had had the show, the evening show on. Oh yeah, and kind of in a satire, satir- satirical way, he would talk about truthiness. This has this has truthiness to it, and and I thought then I thought that that is a perfect, and he was being satirical with it. He wasn't trying to be 
right. you know, but but what he was saying is that's where we've come to in this culture that that it oh it has the appearance of truth it has you know a tr- there's a certain truthiness to this and, and that's that that kind of moving away from the from the solid nature the foundational nature of truth we might we might talk about yeah and 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 that's what Schaefer keeps coming back to is like yeah. that it, it, you know he he said that there was. Um, you know, we're always trying to find, and he kind of uh, alluded to like drawing circles. Like, how do we explain the world around us? And we're drawing these circles. And so, as Christians, yeah. as we adhere to God as truth, as the unchanging right. truth, that we have, a, it's a pretty clear circle that we can start to 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 draw around the world that we experience, explain experiences, right. the nature of man, so forth. But that outside of God. Um, people are trying to draw different circles. And what's realizing is, is like everybody's circle is different and there's these collisions of truth now becomes, wait, I'm trying to draw this circle here and this circle here to explain how man does this, but it doesn't include this other thing about how man acts. And so that, that truth becomes this, um, internalized thing. Um, and when it becomes internalized, which is what he kind of jumps on when he talks about like culture and, uh, or talks about art and philosophy is that yeah. if there is no coherent circle that is circled around everything, there comes a point where you can't live it out. Um, I want to, sure. And that's, that's getting toward the end of his argument. Yeah. That, that, um, you can't consistently live in a, in a relativistic framework. It's just going to break down at some point. And, and, uh, and let, let's come back to that a little bit later, but I, yeah. that's a, it's actually a huge, that's one of the reasons I think Schaefer is so important for us. <laughs> you know, I know you're going to ask me at some point, so what? I think that's, <laughs> well, I'm that's talking more so this episode. So you ask me, <laughs> Oh, I'll ask you a, so what? Okay. No. Um, well, you know, and then the circles almost get erased so that you can have these two, uh, we talked about the law of non-contradiction, but you can have these two opposed thoughts that are happening at the same time. And that's where you begin to, and this is a phrase you, you probably, you may have said yourself, or you've heard people say, well, that's true for you, but it's not true for me. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a different use of the word truth. That's why Schaefer goes to this idea of true truth. That's a different idea of truth than one that corresponds with reality. Um, now, I think we have to admit that um, our, our perceptions and language and, and things uh, do have a, a certain amount of um, how, as effect on the way that we see the world. And we've talked about worldview before and, and thinking in those terms. I think what it does is it makes us, it makes us chastened. And here's the two things I always say, just because I believe in truth doesn't, you know, and, and I'll say complete truth, you know, like, like a universal form of truth doesn't mean that I understand it completely. Doesn't mean that I apprehend it completely, Mm -hmm. but I'm going toward, in other words, it it becomes for me then a goal. I want to know truth. When I say that, I want to know something that, that corresponds with, with reality. And in this sense, we're talking about God and and his creation. Uh, I want, I, I want my knowledge to be, in uh, in keeping with what what we see of what God has done and the way He has acted in in, in His creation, and so uh, so that's one thing I'll will say about it is just because just because um, I believe in truth doesn't mean that I understand it fully, and, and the other thing I'll say is just because I believe in truth doesn't mean that I I am, am not mistaken. Right, I have to admit that that's where humility comes in. We talk about this, the importance of humility when we're 
doing interpretation or anything. I think it comes in uh, as well when we're talking about trying to understand something as deep as the nature of reality, right? Uh, we have to have a certain humility uh, which says um, that that we may be mistaken about certain things, and we're open to correction on those on those issues. But that's different than, in my opinion, that's different than saying that there is no goal of coming to this to this idea of truth. Is what I would say yeah. is the is the difference. Yeah, and and what Schaefer and this is kind of ties us back to the testimony the other day is he kind of draws this line between the rational man and like what is above and what is below. And so, right. you know, he, he makes this, this statement as Christians that our reason and the things that we have now and the knowledge that we, that we um, have here, and this is kind of back to the testimony, I'm telling you, I've seen these things, right. can that our leap, it's not a leap to God, like our, that God right. is above the line, um, that's above our... Um, what we can experience right now, but that it's not an unreasonable jump up there, but that um, without God, you know, people were looking for these experiences. And so ra- sure. rationality was down below and their humanness is down here. And it's like, well, that's just another experience yeah. and it can't correlate to my knowledge because my knowledge is below and this experience is God is an experience and has no correlation yeah. to my brain. And this is where I want to get into then to what, what you're bringing out earlier, because I think this is very important. So what we're interested in is Bible and theology. That's the main thing we, we talk about. And, and here's why I think this is so important, is a, a theology that is is going to, um, how do I say this, a, 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 an approach to belief that is going to say that there is no such thing as as um that's truth, you know, in, in in the in the classical sense of the word. What's going to become important then is the belief itself. Uh, it's you're, it's it's an existential act, is is what you're getting at. Mm-hmm. And and in a theological perspective, that that existential act act is believing. So it's not so important than the content in that framework. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying I disagree with this, by the way. Yeah. So don't don't it's cut not the this part out of the belief. And, and it's say, just this the belief is itself. This, yeah. Right. It's not the content. It's 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 that I believe. Right. It's that act of faith is what becomes is what becomes um, crucial or central. Now, what we're saying when we talk about theology or when we talk about scripture, what we're saying is, is this the way to understand or apprehend the, this this idea? Now, you talked about this above and below and the line, mm-hmm. uh, what Schaefer will sometimes call the line of despair. And I think that becomes pragmatically very important for us. Right. Uh, and I don't mean in terms of, there's a pragmatic theory of truth. I'm not talking about that either. Uh, yeah. But good. You're defining things. I, this is good. <laughs> well, prag, prag, yeah. No, I, I pragmatic theory. Go ahead. Pragmatic theory of truth means that it's true as long as it works. And and I think we see some of that in Christianity as well today. Uh, we we could talk about another podcast that's popular right now. the exact Maybe same thing. Exact same yes. thing. But, but let's go back and, and what I was going to say, and, and believe it or not, I'm going to take this to the Gospel of John. I know that's going to be a surprise to you. But you, how does the Gospel of John begin? Uh, it, it says, in the beginning was the Word. And I've talked before about that idea that logos doesn't simply just mean word, but it means message, or it even can mean reason. Mm. Okay, that's that's where we get that idea theology, right? That that logos part of it. 
Uh, it, it can it can mean this idea of reason, and, and so it it says that um, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Uh, the word was in the beginning with God. You know, th- there's this there's this um, cr- creativeness to it. He's a part of the creation. And then we have in verse, uh, I believe it's 14 of chapter one, John chapter one, the word became, no, it's not 14. Well, anyway, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So here's the thing I've always said is I think John is pointing toward a very important truth here that, so you said God is truth. Mm -hmm. and, And of course, Jesus says that he is truth, but he has um, broken the the barrier, if you will. Right. Uh, we find the truth being made uh, g- given to us in in a form in which we can understand it, a medium, uh, a medium in which we can understand um, that 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 Jesus took on flesh and lived among us and communicated with us in the normal human kind of way, so that we can understand the truth. So John chapter one, I think is very important. Hebrews chapter one, then the way it begins, and we've looked at that before when we talked about scripture, says that... um, God had spoken through the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us in his son, who is the exact representation of his being. So, So when I point to truth, I point not only to God, but I point to to, to God as we see him in Jesus. Revealed in Jesus. Right. As he's revealed in Jesus Christ. And I think philosophically, that's what it means to be a Christian, is that I view the word in these world in these terms. So go ahead. I know there's probably something else you want yeah, to say no, I mean, that, I, that leads me to some other no, thoughts. No, I mean, this, well. is, it, this is reminds me of an anthropology class I took at one point. You know, like if God comes down right. and he's breaking through this barrier, this cloud of, you know, it's coming through a language barrier and flat, you know what I mean? And then, you know, how do we, can our words accurately portray back up to him because we're trying to go through a barrier that only God could come through? You know, it, it just reminds me of some of that sure. anthropology, some of those conversations, but that God broke sure. through that barrier to us. Exactly. That it, it, and that's, that's... Go ahead. Yeah. The incarnation is important for many reasons, but that is one of the reasons the incarnation is 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 important. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2, it pleased God that uh, that the, the one who is the author of their faith should be like them you know, in every way, so that so that they're he's flesh and blood just as they are, right? He he understands our weakness. He understands us, and uh, we can communicate with him in in that way. Then I yeah, think. and so Jesus being the exact representation of God, like language is a creation. Like he has, he's using it to portray yes. truth about the Father. Like it's so language can yeah. uh, convey truth. Yeah, you, you almost said language is a creation there, and I'm, I'm just gonna. You have no way of knowing this, but I wrote an article about that several years ago, and I made the argument that uh, that language itself, and I'm not talking about any particular language, but language itself is is I would say a, an aspect of the nature of God Himself. That God is in His nature communicative, and um, that's another reason I believe in the Trinity. By the way. <laughs> We're a little bit separated from our, but and I said then that there's lots of different reasons I believe in the Trinity, but one of the reasons I believe in the Trinity is if we have an eternal word, if we have a, a, a pre-existent word, then then we have this idea, you know, unless unless um, you know a Unitarian God is talking to Himself throughout all eternity past, 
we have these these persons within the Trinity who are who are having this conversation with one another, right? Mm-hmm. That that this is. So I would say that language, and this this is from John chapter one. I would say that language is not created. Language itself. Um, <clears throat> Well, communication. I won't talk about we could say communication. If <laughs> okay. You want. Yeah. God is. God is. No. 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 no, no that's fine. Uh, yeah. The 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 big part of it. Not any particular language. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about. I was going to say the French have have these two. And and it, there was this guy named Desassur that that talked about what? long. Who is his name? Desassur. Long and parole. And and we're talking about language in that big sense is what we're we're talking about, not in an individual instance. But uh, yeah, I believe that God is in His nature communicative. So so when we talk about being created in the image of God, Imago Dei, and I've said when we talked about that, I said there are many things I think this means, but one of them I believe it means is that we are by our nature communicative in a different way than any other created created being. So I I think I did talk about that that uh, you know. Um, Animals can communicate things to one another, but not in the. <laughs> animals don't have podcasts where they talk about the nature of truth. I don't right? think our dogs and, are philosophizing <laughs> as they're. And so I think you know communication in this level where we can um, come up with phrases and words and and and, and uh, um, thoughts that have never been expressed in exactly this way, uh, and may never be again. You know that that. Uh, that I think is a aspect of the way that we are created in the image of God. Yeah, that's interesting. I, and I know you've you touched on it before, but thinking about that, the the that communication was always happening. And I think one of the points you brought up. This is again kind of on a rabbit trail here, but the communication piece was like, <laughs> how did God? When did He decide to create? Like there had to be like communication between the parts of the Trinity. Yeah, however, however we understand what when means in, in a pre-existent <laughs> state. So. That's way off the beaten path there. <laughs> yeah, so Schaefer keeps kind of outlining this. And one of my uh, yeah. one, one of the thoughts that I, I really liked in this, and I don't know if you're ready to move into this. One of the things that I always no, thought ahead. about this was um, one of the classes I had in college was called IDS, Interdisciplinary Studies. Mm-hmm. And so we looked at culture yeah. and so forth. And one of the things was, uh, and I believe this is John Cage, um, was a composer, and we watched the film okay. of this composition. And what he did was, is he opened the lid to a piano and he put a timer up there on it, on it, and didn't play a single note. Then closed the lid and stopped the timer, and that was his composition, um, because right. he believed that um, that there was no reason, there was no order, like no there was no meaning. It was all internalized, and that there was like. You know, music had this form and function um, that, you know, we have decided or not decided, but we understand like what sounds pleasing and what doesn't sound pleasing. And he's saying like, well, right. th- there's no, there's no, there is no pleasing and non-pleasing. There is just, just sound. Right. But uh, one of the things that that he pointed out in this is like the, the problem was, is then he went and lived out in the woods uh, at someone's home and he loved to pick mushrooms and eat wild right. mushrooms. Um, but he realized he couldn't just go out and pick up any random mushroom because if he did that, right. he would eat a poisonous one and, and die right away. Like this is his assumption that there was neither right nor wrong, but he realized, wait, there are certain things that I need that are things that are true outside of my right. mind and can kill me. Right. It'll, 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 it, this is what we're saying. It breaks down at any, you know, at some point this, this idea of, of, Absolute relativism will will break down, um, and, and 
and this is where I think Schaefer is very important for us. And this is what I was, I was going to say earlier is, um, he would, he calls it pre-evangelism. He says, we live in a time where we have to do pre-evangelism. You, you talked about in the past that, that there was a time where, where people could agree on certain things. And, and he would say, even if they hadn't agreed, they would agree that there is truth. Hmm. You know, that at that period of time, they would at least agree. Even if we disagreed on what that truth was, we would say there is truth. He would say, we're living in a time from, from his point of view on, uh, and he would say it happened before him as well, but it's, it, in the eighties, seventies and eighties, I think he would have said that it's, it was becoming increasing. And I think we've, we've just seen it increase, um, over the past several years as well. Um, but we have in a pre a pre evangelism means that we have to, uh, basically show this idea, the possibility of rationality. Otherwise, how can we even present the truth of the gospel Right. If someone is not willing to admit there's a truth, they might say, "Oh, that's that's great for you. I'm glad it works for you, mm-hmm. but that I find it constricting, or it doesn't, you know, doesn't agree with my assumptions about you know various things." Um, and so he he would say we have to go to a pre-evangelism, really, and and that's where I think he's brilliant is because that line of despair is that you talked about the above and below. Mm-hmm. He talks about that line of despair and really what you have to do in a conversation, he would say is, is take someone to a point where they begin to see the um, absurdity of their own, of their own point of view and their, their inability to, to hold that consistently. Uh, one of the things that Schaefer was very foundational important for me. And again, I, I tell you, I think it's the big stuff the big areas, not necessarily the details that I think he's right on. In fact, there's there's some details that he's been really heavily criticized for, and his reading of particular philosophers and um, theologians of the past, you know, has been called into question. I think that the overall, his overall observations uh, uh, continue to stand, though. But one of the things that he would say, I, 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 maybe he wouldn't say it exactly the way I'm going to try to express it here, but Christianity is, if, if Christianity is true, then it's not simply the best uh, of any of, of the philosophical choices within a world with, within a uh, marketplace of ideas is the, is the term we often use, but it is the only one. And, and that's, that's kind of my approach to to um, evangelism, if you want to call it, or apologetics, is to say that Christianity is a, a consistent way of understanding everything, uh, of understanding the universe. Uh, C.S. Lewis said something very similar when he said, and I think I've quoted this before, uh, I believe in Christianity as I believe in the, uh, the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but by it, I see everything else more clearly. Uh, that is the explanatory power of Christianity. The Christianity, I believe, and I would say, I will go ahead and say um, uh, uh, Trinitarian Christian classical <laughs> theology, that, that form of Christianity has a way of explaining reality in a way that no other worldview can, uh, in, in a consistent way. So I don't know where I was going with that exactly, but, but I think part of the, so what of why this matters is, uh, the way that we, we present 
the gospel. Yeah, that I mean, he has a couple uh, examples in the book where he kind of starts yeah. these conversations with someone. Um, he was yes. talking to I, I, I'm I'm gonna mess the story up. Maybe it was someone who was Hindu, or it's like you know, is 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 there anything that's right or wrong? You know, it's like. Left or right, uh-huh. it doesn't matter. You know whether it's there is right. no uh, right or wrong, and so someone then picked up like a, a pot of tea and was going to pour it on his head, and it's like you know, does it make any difference <laughs> if I poured this on your head or not? You right. know, is this good right. or is this bad? Because basically, the person had firm there is no good or they're bad, and that person just yeah. got up and left. You know, and it was it was one of those guys. You know, I'm not sure that's the right approach, but basically saying <laughs> well. I, but you have to I challenge those assumptions, those yes. those presuppositions, like kind of going, if you're going to hold on to this idea that there is neither good nor bad, that there is no absolute good or absolute bad or, you know, God or that, that there are, you have to take it to its ends. How does this really play out in your life? You, that is that, yeah, that, his I point, I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is the point I'm going to. And 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 so, so that's an extreme example, taking it to the end there, I think. But I, I would say the skill is in finding those kind of things like you were talking about, the inconsistencies uh, in, in in someone's life. I'm, I'm going to talk about some, but I, I, I think there's no danger of this person listening to our podcast. But uh, this is someone who has had been a believer in the past, has now rejected belief in God. And, you know, we've talked about this kind of uh, idea of deconstruction and how we see it. And, and in some of our conversations, you know, we've talked about that and why this person has chosen to reject um, at least b- the biblical understanding of God. Uh, and then in conversation, this person will continually bring up the idea of, well, the universe, the universe has done this or the universe has done that. Uh, and, and at one point I, you know, that, that for me, it's a glaring inconsistency in their worldview. Right. Uh-huh. And, and so, you know, I'm saying, well, the way you use the word universe, it seems like, you know, it has rationality. You know, the universe is a rational place that the universe has will. <laughs> yes. right? That the universe wants to do, what, to wants do something to be and, done a certain way. And has power. And, and, and you know, I, I kind of, you know, jokingly pointed out, well, it seems like your understanding of the universe is getting close to my understanding of the biblical God, right? Yes. Uh, and, and again, you know, there's still some some distinctions and differences there, but but that's what I'm saying. It's it's when someone is saying, "Well, I have rationally chosen to to discredit or or disbelieve in these things," I think the skill for us is in understanding these things well enough that we can begin to notice those inconsistencies in language and speech and action, like you said. Uh, sometimes it has to do with the way that they they respond to the world around them. Uh, and I think it's important for us to 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 pay attention and and to listen carefully. Uh, you know, we're often wanting to answer immediately, but sometimes it takes a period of time of listening. And I will say um, that that I have, you know, one of the biggest reasons I suppose I'm a fan of Schaefer is I have um, used some of these principles and these ideas about the line of despair. I'll tell you the other thing is this. He says you have to be very careful when you get someone to that line of despair and you begin to show them the the inconsistency in their own lives. You have to be prepared to stay with that person for a period of time and and to talk to them because you don't just kind of tear them down and walk you know, away. Basically sh- <laughs> show them show them this idea of despair, the, the the inconsistencies in their own worldview, and then just go, "Oh, I'll see you next week." You know, <laughs> um, 
but uh, you know, because it can be very jarring to 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 come face to face with some of these things. And of course, uh, you know, some of us, uh, I'm saying us human beings, some of us have probably uh, you know developed a, enough callousness to some of these things that it wouldn't bother us as badly. But you have to be careful, you know, because you're tearing into into the very deep parts of someone's psyche and their and their their thoughts. Right. And so. and when you when you do those things, as Schaefer points out, like it makes a doorway for the gospel than to say like yeah. your circle again kind of going back to the circle idea your circle is incomplete it or it, it doesn't right. work there is a circle that kind of encompasses yes. all of all, all of it, it mm-hmm. um and that you can know something that's there and so that's um you know that was part of Schaefer's book you know the title is the god who was there and his whole point was like that we can know truth and we can know god that it is not he's not this irrational jump into the oblivion that god has spoken right. to us as we talked about with testimony that we have testimony that is true that speaks to the nature of who God is, who Jesus is. John's given to us. Jesus's own words, you know, are are to us. And then I thought, kind of wrapping up the the book there, it talked about like, so how do we testify to that in our own lives? You know, and one of the things was like right. the, the church, you know, and kind of going back to this idea of the, the yeah. skepticism um, that he pointed out is like, you know, if he, if you're just by yourself living this way, someone can write that right. off. You know, if you say sure. like this is Jesus and you're the only one that lives that way, someone can say like, well, that worked out for them, but it's it, there's no proof in that. You know, right. but it's only in the Christian community as we come together, yeah. as we live out the gospel together, as we live out in a community that is God honoring, that the the power of our arguments really come to life. I think I think that's true, and I think we have to be careful. This is where we talk about. You know, I've quoted Jesus before. You know. Uh, to, to his disciples that, that you'll remain in the world, yet you're not to be of the world. I think this is where we have to be careful that we're not ca- taken captive by the kind of the thoughts around us. Um, so, you know, there, there are very practical ways today, I think, that we can see where people have bought into almost an irrationality um, and uh, a suspicion, as we've talked about before, um, that that becomes, um, you know, it's something that when people see Christians accepting those kind of things, it, it gives us a lack of credibility when it comes to talking about big matters like faith and, and like God. Uh, when we're talking about smaller things in ways that uh, call into question our ability to critically examine and to, to logically uh, respond to them, I think it calls into question when we're we're carrying the message of the gospel. That's what that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, so Paul, for example, was able to engage uh, with the great thinkers of his day. You know, as we see in in Athens, for example, the the story of the Areopagus. Uh, he's able to use um, their language even in order to 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 come to a point to to get across the message of the gospel. Uh, but we have to be very careful not to discredit our ability to speak truthfully about things when people see us not able to understand or, or, uh, you know, um, essentially questioning and doubting everything that happens. Yeah. This makes me think about briefly is, uh, Revelation, we've talked about a couple times, and the letters to the churches, you know, yeah. and you know, and some yes. of those things are different for us today. But like, there's this culture that was seeping into the churches, and so you know, John's writing this like, 
you you're great at this but you're 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 not at this like and this yeah. is where this is where the word is being diminished this is where you've kind of fallen yeah. away and so you know i think about today some of the things you know what is true you know i mean like kind of getting back to this place where our culture can slowly shift our mindsets on some things and like yes. we've are we missing you know is there if john were writing that today is like hey you've missed this part of it you've let this part of the culture right. seep in because maybe it was easier or convenient or you were not guarding yourself with the word uh right. to, to let those that uh come in and then how that diminishes it's witness like, you know it's like this this podcast and part of what we hope that we're doing through this is giving people another avenue to think about the word and to think about theology um, you know, if we're only spending, you know, maybe we're in a situation where we're only spending a small amount of time every week um, in the scripture, you know, for example, uh, what I think we're trying to encourage is people to spend more time and to have their minds shaped by scripture and, and to, to kind of heighten their, <laughs> their understanding a little bit, um, you know, there are so many forces around us and so many voices around us. I, I say this constantly in my congregation that, um, you know, we, we have to be careful in listening so much that we begin to be guided. Uh, I, we haven't really talked too much about social media. And of course we, we use social nah, media, but not very uh, <laughs> well, either one of not very well, barely. <laughs> but, uh, yes. um, yeah. So that, that's, that's our little joke about the fact that we can't get people to share. Oh anything. yeah. By We're talking way, to you. Listener. Share this podcast. Step up. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, the social media, you know, this is this has been big news just the past little bit, and, and of course, um, um, some of the documentaries that have come out that have that have talked about this dilemma. What was the name of the one? The social dilemma. Oh, the social that, dilemma. That the Ooh, that's it. a good one. And and right, and so what they're showing is that social media is basically showing us what what we will spend time reading, and so the more we spend time reading that, it becomes it becomes a. Um, self-fulfilling prophecy in a sense that that we keep seeing the same things that we're interested in seeing and so so you know I think it's good for us to hear other kinds of things and to listen to people we disagree with and to spend time talking with people we disagree with but it's like we've we've almost come to a point where people who who disagree with us are demonized mm -hmm. we can't even have a conversation that's not how Schaefer would have been I mean Schaefer in fact what he was known for is that people could come and ask him questions and he would he would spend time discussing big ideas with them and and listening and 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 I think that's that's an example for us as well to think about the way that we're uh, again, engaging the world with the message of the gospel. It's not a matter of us becoming a conclave. You know, Christianity is not about us becoming a cloister so that we, uh, you know, siloing is one of the terms that we we hear used in, in rela relation. So we're only hearing things that we agree with, but it should be instead a place where we are trained and, and a place where we are, our, our thinking is shaped in a way that we can then engage the entire world uh, without fear of being, um, uh, I would say, shaped by the image of the world around us, but instead we can engage in a meaningful and, and serious way in conversation with those who, who think differently than we do. Right. So. Yeah, and, and coming back to that, 
you know, being rooted in scripture, I had a conversation with someone's like, yeah. well, what does it mean to walk, walk in the spirit and not by the flesh looking right. at Gal- Galatians? And I'm right. like, you know, there, there, there's absolutely a prayer aspect of God give us eyes that sure. you would have, but there's also God yeah. has revealed himself in the Bible. And if we want to walk in, in this, the, it, you know, in the word and in the flesh, and like, and if we want to, if we want to walk in the spirit, we have to be in yeah. his word like that the the spirit speaks through his word to us and spend time in spend time in scripture yeah. and that yeah, is absolutely um you know I, I and i can get lost in news and all that stuff and that shapes my mind sure. not not the word and that's um well that's kind of my that's kind of my point there are some people who listen to a particular channel or you know these days a youtube channel or or whatever they spend their time listening to that particular way of thinking and and it, it becomes very difficult to hear or to think think in other ways, and so that's that's all I'm saying is to make sure we're shaped. Uh, you know, what did Paul say? Don't be conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I think that's the that's the kind of I- issue I'm thinking about. I was thinking about this just last week because we're in Sunday school right now. I'm going through the book of Hebrews, and. Um, this is chapter four, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. And so, uh, you know, the word of God there is, is of course, not only the written word, but it is... It is uh, According to the Hebrew writer, it is God revealed in Jesus is the living word. Uh, but then we have the way that the word of God is active and 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 living when we read the words of Scripture uh, that point to Jesus. I would say also, yeah, absolutely. Well, this is an interesting conversation. We covered a lot of different topics. Yeah. You know, here's what I'm thinking though, Ryan. We, of course, we're we're talking about getting against some of the more current books, but. You know, we always talk about these old books, and I was thinking about <laughs> we too. Yeah, let's let's talk about a book from the nineteen seventies. Ah. But uh, the I don't know why my voice. I don't either, that but it happened. But I, I do think, and again, I'll just say that I think this book was influential in my thinking, and I think there are a lot of things he pointed to. In fact, you were talking about a book you've read recently that that you said seemed to use some of the same thought, yeah. and the same ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll say Schaefer. You know, there's there's a whole generation of people that he influenced who then became the teachers of of others, uh, and so it's it's no wonder that his his ideas and thoughts continue to have impact today. But I think he's very interesting reading still today. Very easy, interesting, at least to think about and to, and and to talk about some of the things that he was pointing toward. Yeah, and, and so the the you can look up like the just Francis Schaeffer trilogy on Amazon. We posted yeah. a link to it on our Facebook page for. For those sure. of you that are that are on there, um, but you know, it it's not necessarily an easy read. It's, I mean, it's for me. It was like there's a couple times I had to go back and reread and just understand the point that yeah. he was trying to make, um, and some of the the examples that he gives about how it played out in music and art and culture are a yeah. little dated. Um, but I yeah. I really I really enjoyed it to 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 help me think about. Uh, you know, just this, this the the approach of talking to someone yeah. about the none, nature of presuppositions. None of the three books that comprise this trilogy are that big either. I mean, they're they're relatively small. I don't know. Did, did, did you have did you have separate volumes or you just it's, have it's one in volume? One of the volume you can buy, it's pretty cheap on Amazon. It's like seventeen bucks. Okay. Um, but yeah, the the okay. first book is like one hundred and eighty pages, but then the yeah, rest of them are so like a, none, are like hundred or less. So they're they're pretty quick. Yeah, reads. none of them are very big. 
and mine's electronic now, so all my books are electronic. So I, I have, I should say, all my books, but it's hard to hard to tell how many pages they are and that kind yeah. of thing. These but days, it, it's but. a it's a great read, and I would encourage if you know if you're interested yeah. in thinking about how do you think about the world around us, because I think you know you talk about yeah. Paul, like Paul was able to engage, but Paul was also yeah. very much rooted in in the Word and in, in the Scriptures and, right. and knowing who God was. So we were talking about what we were going to try to do a sign off. Before. We are. I'm going to let you and take. Well, what do you want to do? Do you want to take it? I don't know. May your may your coffee cups be always be full. May your I don't know. May you always have nice things to eat, and may your Bible always be open. Something like Amen. that. I don't know. <laughs> I, and see, now we're going to go. All right, Ryan. <laughs> see ya. And you're going to go. Bye. Bye. See you later. I guess that's our sign off. Bye. Bye. <laughs> see ya. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. Next week, Brian and I are starting a series for Advent. We are taking the time to look at the Old Testament verses that point to Jesus's arrival and what they mean for us today. You can find show notes, links, and more at thebiblebistro.com, as well as sign up for our email newsletter to stay in touch, but also to get some exclusive content. You can find us and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Bible Bistro. And as always, you can subscribe to us on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Just search for Ryan and Brian's Bible Bistro. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you next Tuesday.